What's up, everybody? Pastor Matt here. Thank you so much for checking into the podcast of Gospel Fellowship PCA. Hey, listen, what if I told you that there is a solid, biblical, doctrinally faithful, reformed church on a beautiful campus just a stone's throw north of Pittsburgh? Yeah, we don't have a Starbucks in the lobby. Sorry about that. We don't have a fog machine. We don't have an American Idol stage with laser lights shooting all around. But we do have the sweetest, kindest people in the world. We sing the Psalms and classic hymns of the faith. We preach the Bible chapter by chapter. We believe the whole thing's true. We love Jesus. We're on a mission to share the good news of the gospel with the world. Would you be interested in a church like that? Well, come check us out, Gospel Fellowship PCA in Valencia, Pennsylvania. Please feel free to visit our website at gospelfellowshippca.org and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Gospel Fellowship Presbyterian Church. All right, thank you so much. Here's today's message. Scripture today is from Isaiah 6. We'll read just half a dozen verses. If you would please rise as we listen to the Word of God. Isaiah 6, 8 to 13. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and, their, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without habitation, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains, when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. May the Lord bless to us this reading of his word, and to his name be glory and everlasting praise. Please be seated. I tend to like this time of year uh, perky passages. You know the kind of thing. Uh, I like, uh, I'm a perky person, and um, I like perky passages because I think I'm a sort of a Christmas creature. Um, I like giving presents. I spent some time this week with my grandson, five hours with the poor little guy, uh, exhausting him shopping. Okay, we didn't buy much, take heart, but. Nevertheless, you know, store to store to store, food stores sometimes. This would look good for my mother. She would like, like this. It's a coffee mug for $26. I said, child, you have been living with the wrong family, obviously, for too long. Um, but nevertheless, it's, it's a fun time of year. And I know there are some churches that sort of uh, poo-poo the Christmas thing because it's, um, it's not emphasized in the Bible. But... It's a great time to be alive, except for the plague. Um, And we have to live with that. We are very fortunate that we live now as opposed to centuries ago. Because you folks know the statistics that in Europe, well, even just 100 years ago, how many millions died in, in our country? And in Europe, in the Middle Ages, how many times were percentages of the population removed by death? Can you imagine 
20%, 25% of all the people we know, gone. Entire villages and towns, gone. They had no idea what was, was afflicting them. Uh, at least it took a long time to figure it out. We have a good idea what afflicts us. And even then, our death rate in this country is over 250,000 people. Gone. It's a difficult time. I, <clears throat> Isaiah lived or at least was predicted to live in difficult times. It's interesting because he's the, one of the most hopeful prophets. He gives some of the best prophecies of Jesus. Uh, he gives some of the best descriptions of Jesus. But nevertheless, did you hear his job description? I, I envisioned this uh, in a certain sense. You could almost see uh, if, they ran it, if, the, if the rabbis ran synagogues the way Protestant and Catholic pastors and priests run the church, this is what they would have. They'd have a convention right around New Year's. They call it the Yom Kippur Special. Okay? Now, at this convention, they would invite the, the rabbinic uh, synagogue planters. Okay? They're always the boys and girls in the forefront. You know, uh, how, many, how many synagogues did you plant this year? And then they would invite the pastors of the big churches, you know, the one, or the big synagogues, you know, the ones that really count. Okay? And then they would invite, of course, this, this esteemed group that gave out awards. They would invite, you know, who's number one in growth? Very important that you're constantly growing. Heaven only knows we never want to ask the question, what are we growing, as long as we're growing. And so they would get together and they'd gather at Jerusalem. And they would have their, what would you call it? Uh, synagogo? I don't know what you would call it, but whatever it is, you would, you, there they would be. And every year, Isaiah would be, and he would just show up. He was never invited, because for all the decades of this man's ministry, okay, well, Isaiah, how'd you do? Well, uh, new synagogue started. That would be a zero. I see. Uh, how about, um, can't you have more kids? He had two, okay? And I'll leave to Matt. There's a cute little statement in, uh, in a couple chapters down the road, about chapter 8 or so, where he calls his wife a prophetess. Matt will explain how the Presbyterian Church in America, which is our denomination, squares that. Well, we, <laughs> we'll leave that to him. Uh, or maybe he'll stick poor old David with it. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, there we, there we are. This man... No new synagogues planted, no new synagogues enlarged, no hundreds or dozens or single-digit converts. His job is to go to people and go nowhere. His job, it, can you imagine? Several people in this room are in sales. I've been in sales since probably I was 12, something like that. It's a long, long time. When you're in sales, it's because you have a type of personality. It is. We are weird. And you learn, you do learn to handle rejection. Okay? Now, that's why, now, no offense to anybody here, because my, one of my offices was mostly female. But I'll tell you, that historically, men were better salesmen than women. I shouldn't say this in front of the children, but why is that? Because usually the male is the one approaching the woman for a date. Is that true? Still in our world? I mean, I haven't outgrown life yet. All right. So here's the way it goes. 
if I can reach back. We've been married 48 years, so I've known my wife 49 years, and so it's been 50 years since I did something. Here's the way it went. Hey, babe, want to get a Coke? Now, who would not respond to that? I mean, seriously. I mean, I was adorable, which should, should make you nervous because that means that this could happen to you. So, hey, babe, you want to get a Coke? Well, that tells you also the socioeconomic strata in which I dwelt, which was poor. So after I get a little more money, it would be and a quarter of a pizza. You don't want to go too far with this because after all, you, who knew how much you could eat? But normally, what would be the response of the young woman in sight? You guys know what the response, right? The women might not know, but the guys know. It was, I wouldn't go out with you if you were the fill-in-the-blank man on the earth. Right? So, you're rejected. You get used, or I guess the proper word is, you get accustomed to rejection. Therefore, you become a good salesman, okay? Or at least a better salesman. Isaiah is called to be rejected. Why in the face of this earth would somebody raise their hand, jump up and down, you know, when, when, when the triune God, because I think that's who was referenced here, and I thought Matt's illustration from last week was a very, very good one, that his train, just the little fringe of his, of his robe, filled one of the most glorious buildings in the ancient world and outshone it. That was just the thing that people could touch to be healed. It's amazing. This God approaches Isaiah. Who shall we, the triune God, send? And Isaiah says, Hineni, here am I, send me. How many of us would volunteer for a job that had no prospects, a guarantee of no benefit. It's astounding. Every year, you'd wander into the New Year's Yom Kippur Day of Atonement uh, rabbinic conference, and every year, just because you're being nosy, every year, people would laugh at you because they would say, well, you must be lazy. After all, if you, if you work hard, you'll get converts. Isn't that true? You must not be very intelligent. Because after all, if you knew what you were doing, would you not have find people being attracted to you? Uh, and after all, you must not be very creative. Because if you were, wouldn't people be attracted to you? Wouldn't they come for the, for the show? It's a very subtle thing to put on a show. Because we're required to do the best we can. Now, sometimes you think, well, I don't know where they got this Woolner guy, but perhaps I can send him back, okay? So it's the best you can do is what we're required to do. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes compared to more esteemed member of the clergy, such as Dr. Matthew, it's not as good as one would hope. But nevertheless, it's what you're supposed to do. So if you're not that good, what do you do? I can tell you what you do. You begin to create Sundays that are special events. So you have things like Father's Day on what day? Sunday. And you have Mother's Day on what day? Sunday. You can join in with this, by the way. I, this is not meant to be a monologue only. Okay, if you, the question then is, 
Children's Day, as if it's not every day. Children's Day is what day? That's right. Um, okay, so every, every civil thing that you could stuff into a church calendar, you do. Why? Because people will come out to watch their children sing and dance. It matters not if the kid's a barbarian. It matters not if they have a voice. When I was in first grade, my first grade teacher started to yell at me because apparently we were supposed to be skipping in this little play. I had never heard of skipping. See, Matt laughs at that because he, he learned about skipping when he was five years old, not six. So he was one of those who said, Barry can't skip. Can't skip. How do you learn to skip? I don't know how you learn to skip. I look very odd skipping today, but I can skip today. Isn't it strange, though, that you know, we have these things that we're supposed to know to do, even if you're a child and can't do them, people will come out to see you. There are some churches who do it that way. Isaiah didn't have that luxury. He was guaranteed no results for his entire ministry. Other churches do it a different way. Some of them have changed uh, from this path, but there's a group called seeker-sensitive churches, and they arise from, believe it or not, Norman Vincent Peale and his book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking, and then the East Coast you know, young man named Robert Schuller, who has passed, and Schuller I, th I think more highly of than, than apparently a lot of people in my position do. But nevertheless, why, was, why were these guys different? They were trying to appeal to the unchurched. Because if your church never attracts an, or seldom attracts an unchurched person, you're not doing very well. There was a time in my life as a 19-year-old person that I had not been in church possibly ever, except maybe when I was like four or five, and then suddenly found myself interested in the Christian religion and also found myself interested in the five-foot-seven brunette all at the same time. Isn't God wonderful? And uh, my wife, by the way, is five, four and a half, although her, her, she claims now in her driver's license to be five, five. So instead of shrinking as she ages, she's growing. But it's an interesting thing with this church growth movement because what it does, it de de depreciates formal religious education in the worship service and says that the worship service is for the unchurched. When do you serve communion? There's nothing more offensive to the unchurched than communion. Why do we take communion? What is that red stuff that we drink? And what is that bread that we eat? Is it not the blood and the body of Christ? Why did he need to die for the sins of his people? So far, not really a church growth kind of a doctrine, is it? Isaiah was not allowed to adorn his words with anything more than the word of God. It turned out to be exactly as God said. No one, no one will follow you. This is what he says. He not only will speak, but his speaking, far from attracting people, will repel them. When I was a young Christian, I would, uh, it was my privilege to go to um, the school in Philadelphia uh, for a year. Uh, they, they're safe. They threw me out. But um, 
Nevertheless, for a year I did, and every day I would take the train. Okay, work at United Parcel Service at 5 o'clock in the morning, get on the train, go to school, come back, work at a pharmacy, go to bed, get up, do the same thing the next day. What happened? Well, what happens is if you're taking a train into Philly or back from Philly, you get to sit next to people. What did I know they wanted to talk about? I knew they wanted to talk about Christ. Why? Because I wanted to talk about Christ. You only get a few minutes. And one of the problems of not having mass transit is you can't aggravate people here the way you can in Philly. See? So it's, it's, you can't, if you stop people in their cars and say, hi, I want to talk to you about Jesus, what are they going to do? Well, but they're on a train. They cannot escape your adorableness. So if you're near a place with a train, hop on a train. This guy was the kind of person who wanted God's will. And unfortunately, it was turn, his God's will turned out to be something which he really, as a human being, probably did not want on one level. Think of it this way. He was prepared for this strange ministry because he saw the glory of God. Here was a man who saw. You and I have not seen. We have had experiences. We have had wonderful times in Christ. We are fortunate that we belong to or attend or can attend one of the numerous wonderful churches in western Pennsylvania. We're very fortunate here that we have so many Bible-believing churches where the word of God goes forth. That's a wonderful thing. Nobody responded. To live with that for decades, to know you're doing God's will, and to see no one respond. We think if we're doing God's will. If you ask Pastor Matt, I won't put him on the spot, of course, because he's got his mask on still. If you ask him, if we do God's will, should we expect the church to grow? He will say, slowly he's saying, <laughs> it's great being up here and not there. It really is. But he would say, yes, you, you would expect. Because, why? Because we have God's command that you should go and share the, the gospel. And we have the example of the scriptures that we, we, if, you, if you proclaim the gospel, men and women are converted. We have the example of history. Remember, this was a small cult when it started. There's over a billion of us now around the entire world. We seem to belong to a God who likes growth. Well, what happened to Isaiah? How did he endure this? Knowing he was doing the will of God is how he endured it. Having seen the person of God is how he endured it. This is extremely difficult on a human being because he never did win an award at that rabbinic conference in Jerusalem. Never. He got yelled at by kings because he would say things like, don't have alliances with the Assyrians. Don't have alliances with the Egyptians. And they would. And they were conquered over and over and over again. It's one thing when you proclaim the gospel, you and I look for people to come to Christ. Think of it another way. When we proclaim the gospel, are we not also pushing someone who doesn't believe it further away? We have given voice to their objections, and they now have a better reason for not converting. It was worth with, with Isaiah. It was worse because 
this is what he is told will happen. Go and say to the people, keep hearing, but don't understand. Keep seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. It's not simply that it will be the result of some of the things that he says. It will be the purpose of his message. Make the heart of this people dull. Not a very hopeful message. Toward the end of, the, of this chapter, or the, the section that we read, he says, though a tenth remained, 90% removed, yet it'll be burnt over again. And he, the example he uses is the, a kind of tree that when you cut it down, it still has life. Think of it this way. We have a lot of cherry trees in this part of the country. If you cut down a cherry tree that's alive, is there a pretty good chance you'll get what we call suckers, right? The suckers grow up from the, from the old tree. This tree, this terebinth, was a, a, a cherry tree on steroids. So when you looked at it, it looked dead. But a short time later, up would come signs of life. So even in the mass, this, this destruction, in the midst of the destruction, you would have Jesus you know, saying to Isaiah, there'll still be some life there. Someone will remain. And that is the great hope. It's one of the great hopes of our lives. That the, whether the Christian church is strong or weak in America, strong or weak in Pennsylvania, strong or weak in Valencia, is to some extent irrelevant because the Lord of glory is the one who makes it strong or weak. So when you have a job like Isaiah's, just remember, if you know God, whatever your job is, it's important that you do your job to the glory of God. Our culture is heavily inf infected with the Protestant ethic. And I'll tell you what that is. When you understand who the Lord of the universe is, you understand your role as a worker. And your role as a worker, and my role as a worker, is to do everything that we do privately, publicly, in our families, in, in our workplace, to the glory and the honor of Christ. Once you and I get into our heads that our jobs matter to God, will we not do that job very differently? And of course we will. If we do our jobs better and better and in a more thoughtful way, don't you think that we will produce more and more Prices will go down. Produce, got, uh, goods will be, uh, will be produced in a greater uh, number and will gain weight. I think that we have to recover some of that. But I, for, the, for today, just remember, whatever our role in this world, whatever kind of worker, because Isaiah was a worker, he just was not blessed with a lot of results. You and I have been. We have wonderful things that we are part of. We will be more wonderfully blessed once the epidemic disappears. But the reality is, we have a fabulous life. God has given us in this world, at this point, we live like kings. We live like queens. It's astounding how well we live. 
even though we can complain about a death-eating epidemic. So in, just in summary, real quickly, remember, do your jobs like Isaiah did, with mindful of God, even if we don't see the Lord high and lifted up, even if we don't see that his train fills the temple, even if we don't see seraphim and, and cherubim flying around and singing praises to him constantly, even if we don't see that, we can see it in our mind, can't we? We can, through Isaiah's eyes, see the Lord high and lifted up, even if we don't have that direct revelation of it. And we can be strengthened by it, and we can say, I will do a better job. I will seek a better confession. What would we be like if we no longer feared our sins? The angel came to Isaiah with a coal, touched his lips. Your sins, <laughs> Isaiah is looking for, he's looking for a, a degree, you know. He wants to be able to say, hey, look, I have this extra degree that the rest of the rabbis don't have, and therefore I must be some kind of academic rabbi when he goes to those uh, annual rabbinic meetings. He didn't get that. He got his sins forgiven. What would you rather have? Another degree? or your sins forgiven. How would we live if we really believed our sins were gone? You and I need to understand that our sins are gone. They are as if they never occurred. Yes, they still attack us, as it were. But in God's sight, he doesn't simply forgive our sins up to the point where we convert. He, convinced, he forgives our sins forever, past, present, future. Even though we still sin, we should not be sinning, obviously, as much or in the same way, but nevertheless, we still have this forgiveness. Isaiah was offered it, the burning coal put on his lips. We are offered it in Christ because in him, he forgives because of who he is. Just as Christ, whose train filled the temple, commanded the angel to, forget, to offer forgiveness and give forgiveness to Isaiah. What a wonderful prophet. What a wonderful example. Consider in our minds that we are forgiven. Heaven is certain for the Christian. Why? Because we're good? No. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is good. As I tried to, to end most of what I say in this world, especially as I get older, think of it. Would you want to rely on your ability to repent at the end of your life? Or do you want to rely on the eternal strong arm of the Lord Jesus Christ? When you die and wake up, who will be there to see you? Who do you think? The same one who saved you, the same one who guided you to salvation, the same one who chose you before eternity. He will be there. He alone. Welcome to heaven. There we are. United again with those we love. United again with our friends and, and church members. United again with the billions who will receive him and have the power to become the sons and daughter of God. That's who will see us because our sins 
forgiven once, forgiven forever. That's who we are. God grant that you and I see each other again. If we could, let's rise for the benediction. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, both in this life and the next. In the name of Christ, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, everybody. My name is Rob, and I am a deacon at Gospel Fellowship PCA. I'm also the sound engineer, the camera guy, and the podcast manager. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please come visit us in person. Gospel Fellowship is a Bible-believing church just north of Pittsburgh, and you can find us at gospelfellowshippca.org. See you next time.